Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. And today we are talking about our top albums of the year so far, 2020. Um, We are doing this in August uh, because we believe that people who have done this on previous podcasts and magazine articles acted capriciously by uh, setting down their top albums so far in June and July, and so I think we waited the appropriate amount of time, and we're, we're now ready. We're coming out of uh, um, COVID hibernation and giving our opinions on, on what we've heard so far this year. So any uh, other than the obvious um, fact that 2020 has been a complete clusterfuck, any other thoughts on, on the year in music in 2020? <laughs> No, I mean, I think I was uh, one of the interesting. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah, uh, I think one of the interesting things has been just the the fact that um, you know we we haven't actually been able to see a lot of the new music that we would normally uh, check out like live. So um, for, from that respect, I guess it is uh, you know really shaped by just the the listening process sort of between your between your headphones, um, and uh, you know I think that's that. I wonder, I wonder, I guess, if that, you know, skews our preferences at all toward a certain, uh, certain set of types of music. Certain easy listening. We were talking about that, actually, Wynn and I, it's the exact same point I was going to bring up is, you know, Wynn was mentioning there's a lot of, a lot of material out there. There's been a lot of sort of even uh, groups that are, you know, like Jason Isbell and people that have put out consistently good records. And then there's that band that you see or you hear the new record and you get to see live and it kind of uh kind of supercharges your in, your reinterest or you hear it in a different way and kind of go back to it and i think you know to your point on a certain style of music um i think like sort of rock or uh aggressive kind of faster paced music at least in my world tends to suffer a little bit when i'm not seeing it live like more punk stuff yeah i think specifically i mean i think we can narrow it down even more than just you know saying rock like for me it really is yeah it's punk shows it's like those guys are like so much of it is about like the raw sort of energy and like the communion with the audience and the fact that you know everybody's sort of experiencing the same thing feeling the same high um and you know historically like I would love the two months or month preceding South by Southwest every year because it was like every British and Australian punk band that otherwise wouldn't get a shot at playing in the U.S. was like making their way toward Austin um, and uh, and would definitely pass through New York on the way. So, you know, I, I think like that's just been a, a really great opportunity over the last sort of six, seven years and like something I've really valued, I think, and, and sort of looked forward to every year um so it's you know it's a little bit of a bummer that we we can't have that but on the other hand um i think this has actually changed my list in a way i don't know i'm pretty excited about i'm i'm like i'm looking forward to to talking to you guys about this and and curious if uh if you've spent any time with two of the albums in particular yeah i i too have uh spent a lot of 2020 sitting around so (laughs) It is uh, trying you know, not to it, die. It, right. it, <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah I've been dodging uh, germs on the way to the the Whole Foods and no there there is definitely I think uh, you know I didn't really think about it until 
today that that my list is is very reflective of somebody who's been sitting around uh, <laughs> reading a lot. <laughs> Who did a, uh, a stint in, in northern Maine yeah, as well. If, if Leonard Cohen yeah. had put out five albums this year, I would have five Leonard Cohen albums on my play um, or on my uh, on my top top five. Yeah, I might have <laughs> I might have attempted to assign to half of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess let's just jump right in because I think this will be fodder for for um, you know for the conversation. So, uh, Christian, what is your number five? So my number five is uh, is kind of a curious band, and, and I'll I'll name check uh, Sound Opinions for pointing me toward this. But the group is Salt S A U L T. The album is uh, actually untitled, uh, but the subtitle I believe is uh, Black Is, um, and this is a a really kind of mysterious group that that doesn't provide us with really any information about sort of who they are. I believe it's a trio um, British uh, looks like it may bring together people who have backgrounds in um, jazz, spoken word uh, like not typically things that I would say are um, hugely fertile grounds for for recruiting my favorite artists of the year. Um, but that said, uh, this is just like incredibly cool um, rhythm section. Reminds me a little bit of like somewhere, but a sort of like slightly funkier go team, maybe. Um, and uh, little young you know, fathers, very maybe instrumentally or? focused, but um, but pretty awesome music. And and everything I've heard off this album, um, you know, I, I've really liked. This is actually their third record in a year. Um, and definitely worth exploring. I wish I could provide it with a little bit more context, but unfortunately, um, the band is, is sort of deliberately, uh, deliberately obscuring our efforts to do that. So deliberately isolating. Yeah, I, I remember uh, a year or two ago they had um, they put out some music, and I couldn't tell you whether it was an album or or I just heard a single. But I remember enjoying it, and um, not again, not knowing anything about it. Just uh, the S A U L T. Yeah, that's, um, that's exactly right, and that was sort of the context in which I found it too. And I, I, I really strongly suggest like just throw this on and like clean your apartment or something for the eight millionth time this year, um, and you will find like there's just such a like the the rhythm section is just fucking pounding, and like it's so good. Um, it really it really does feel like uh, just it's it's music that just sort of like feels incredibly familiar um the the first time you listen to it uh and and definitely like something you'll you'll want to hear more of so um that's that's my number five pick they uh they deserve to be on the list even though they are basically a podcast music reviewers worst nightmare in the sense that (laughs) when you type their name into google there is zero information about them yeah exactly (laughs) that is actually a, a, a sub um conversation that i think is worth having is the Googleability of band names because I there's a bunch on my what I would call my honorable mention list, including bands like the Districts and Second Grade, for which it's impossible to uh, you know every time you type yeah, in the District get. you get like District of Columbia government and every yeah. time you type in Second Grade you get school closures. 
So um, this is a this is <laughs> you need a, bands uh, to really think of the search terms when they're naming themselves. <laughs> exactly. Yes, unlike totally. Aerosmith, who really locked down that corner of the internet early. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of Aerosmiths left um, <laughs> beyond, you know, the five guys from Duxbury. Uh, so, Jer, what is your number five? So uh, my number five is an album I've talked about prior on podcast when we just talked about what, what were you listening to. And um, I'm going to go with – there's a bunch on the bubble here. It's always hard to kind of whittle it down, but I, I do think this list is going to change a lot when we do our end-of-the-year list just because – the nature of it, but um, J Electronica is the creation, so um, I just really like this record a lot. It's um, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say throwback. He's an odd guy. I mean, he's been floating around the hip-hop world for years, as well as the socialite circle in London and, um, and causing chaos over there. Jay-Z um, is all over this record and is, you know, a producer and, and is our Jig Creations worked with Jay-Z in the past and, and one of his, I guess, sort of crew. Um, it's just got like kind of a, a vibe that I haven't heard in, in hip hop in a while. It, it's a bit like um, Grave Diggers meets Public Enemy, but, but very, um, very, I guess, uh, current, you know, the beats mm-hmm. and the sounds are, are, are definitely of today. And then I, you know, anytime Jay-Z is, is, uh, you know, rhyming and, and you just forget like that guy's flow is just so good. Um, so I really like this album. I think the, the single with, uh, Travis Scott is, is fantastic. And, uh, I don't know if you guys have spun it. I know I've been pushing it your way and if you like it or not, but, um, it's still kind of up there for an album that I'll pop on and get kind of pumped up and, and listening to. Nice. My number five is is uh, the aforementioned second grade uh, hit to hit, and it is just the kind of stuff that you know pulls me in immediately. It's a a very sort of you know it's a power pop record, um, for a band from Philadelphia, and. Um, it reminds me a lot of um, Apples in Stereo, Tone Soul Evolution. The songs are shorter and a little less intricate than that, but they have that same kind of just earworm kind of hook, uh, and it's 24 songs on this album. The album's not very long, so it's also got a little bit of Guided by Voices type of yeah. efficiency, where it's like, get, to the, half hook, hour. get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, I just, I, they remind me of Apples and Stereo too in the sense that there is no sort of codifying sense of style. Um, I'm not, you know, it, it just, it's all about the music. There's nothing uh, presentation-wise that, that would draw me in or, or anything else, but they're, they're just cute little pop songs that seem to, you know, sort of uh, materialize out of nowhere and go away really quickly. But uh, my kind of record, and, and again, like I said, like you said, Jared, the my my end of the year rankings uh, may may differ, but this one's been on heavy rotation for me um, since I first yeah, heard it. They're truly like uh, blowing a bubble, and it's gone. You know, like it's. Um, I love bands that are kind of unabashedly pop, mm-hmm. and these guys nail that. It's it's just like a great hooky pop record. It's a good choice. Awesome. So, Christian, number four for you. Number four for me is Run the Jewels 4, which I assume, um, well, I I suspect may have made um, one of the other lists, maybe two. Um, Not sure, but uh, I think 
you know, I, my, my struggle getting these guys on here was they have been so consistently good um, that you, you know, I, I think we've, we've discussed this in, in a lot of different contexts before, but, you know, you start to, you start to discount a little bit the, um, you know, the, the most recent contributions, partly because you want to create a little bit of space for, um, for new artists and, and um, yeah. you know, I think the, the fact is, like, uh, if we'd heard this in any other context or had heard this first um, among their records, it would have made just as much sense, been just as appealing, and, you know, uh, had that sort of, like, immediately jarring impact that, that um, their first album had for me uh, and that their, you know, second and third did um, following suit. So, you know, I love this. I think, like, I, I really don't think there's anybody... I don't think there's a more exciting and sort of interesting artistic pairing right now. Um, I mean, you know, that's that's obviously a pretty pretty big claim, but like, uh, I think Killer Mike and LP have such good chemistry, um, and like it it just it just makes you wonder, you know, who else like needs to be thrown together at random and meet at the age of almost forty. Um, in order to go on, like, the best tear of either of their careers, you know? Um, yeah, it's up there it's with just, the it's uh, like, it's great Jack that these White, guys Loretta so Lynn. <laughs> What's up? I said it's up there with, like, Jack White, Loretta Lynn. Yeah, totally. Things that, you know, You're just like, great oh, taste. Thank you. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, but, I like, I think uh, Killer Mike's, like, the the sort of rawness and, like, humor that is um, inherent in, in like, his rhymes at, are perfectly uh, balanced with the, like, kind of goofy, like, video game-playing man-child that is LP. Um, and, like, uh, but who also, for all of his um, sort of sort of more, like, immature qualities, um, has this incredibly, like, sort of futuristic, um, you know, I, I think soundscape that, that he has put together, uh, and, and it's just, they're both such quirky styles, um, and independently they were fine, they weren't, you know, they, they were both very, very good, um, but together it's just, like, it's a bad out of hell, so... Um, peanut butter and uh, Reese's cup. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just one of those things that that was meant to be. Um, so, but I mean, you know, to speak a little bit about this album in particular, I think, uh, look, they they released it early amid um, uh, marches and protests around the country. Um, obviously, in the in the wake of uh, of George Floyd's death um, in Minneapolis, and I think. Um, you know, they have had something to say um, about corruption, police brutality, um, you know, uh, sort of institutional discrimination. Those have been long-term themes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are things that they've been that they've been developing them, er, establishing themselves as a voice and an authority on for for a long time now um, within the music world, and uh, I think. It felt 
Killer Mike, I think, comes from a unique perspective in the sense that he's been a social justice warrior and outspoken advocate for a long time, but also the uh, comes from a family of, of police officers. And so it's, you know, it, it's an unusual uh, vantage point that really gives him a lot of credibility on the subject. A lot of heft, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, and I, I think, you know... It, 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 again, it, it like it, it wouldn't. It doesn't feel opportunistic for them, um, precisely because they've been talking about this stuff for for so long. Um, and I, I think mm-hmm. that that's uh, that's an important sort of thread of credibility um, at at junctures like these. So um, I'm certainly you know sitting up straight and, and listening closely when these guys uh, step up to the mic. They also brought um, Greg Nice back for a, a cameo. They certainly and I've did. Heard Greg Nice since uh, <laughs> since '99. And yeah, you know what's so funny is that perfect. when I first I mean, heard just that, the little like plug-in like that. When I first heard that single, um, uh, my my first reaction was like, "Jesus Christ, LP! Like this sounds an awful lot like DJ Premier." <laughs> I was like, "You sure did! Uh, you sure did!" Just like steal his shit um <laughs> like you're not even trying and then of course they realize that that's that's who gets the credit on the song so um it's such a distinctive yeah. sound there's like you know slightly mm. slightly sinister like piano hooks um yeah. that, that just defined like new york hip-hop from the 90s absolutely it's a bottle rolling down a quiet empty alley you know <laughs> yeah it's great so, dear, what, what's your number four so um, my number four is um, Himes' Women in Music Part 3. And, um, yeah, I just I really, really, really like this record. I think these guys kind of had a, a second, you know, a sophomore slump with uh, something to tell you. I, um, I was late to their first album, Days Are Gone. I really disliked the first single so much, the song The Wire, and I still dislike that song quite a bit. But it, uh, it kind of clouded me towards how good that first record was. And um, if you haven't gone back and listened to that, Days Are Gone, it's excellent. And, uh, and this one kind of carries on that, that sound where I think just confidence-wise, music-wise, um, very L.A. Um, even, you know, I hate saxophones, and we joke about saxophones killing a lot of 80s music, but even the use of sax in these songs are really good. And it's like a perfect Sunday morning um, record. You almost feel like you're sort of transported to Los Angeles, and, and but there's a mood to it that sort of fits how wonderful 2020 has been, um, despite the sun shining in Los Angeles. So it's, um, I think, a great record. It's um, kind of an all-occasion record, and, and I think really, um, I know they've gotten quite big and have a lot of hype, but I think they really kind of tried too hard on the last one. Um, and this one is, is getting back to what they're good at, and I think will bring that audience they were seeking from the uh, from the attempt of the second one post touring with Taylor Swift. Yeah, I, that's actually my number two album. So um, you know we can have the you know we'll we'll skip my number two spot when we get to it. But I uh, you know my my feeling towards this band is that they everything they've every time somebody has pushed something out of there, uh, it's it's been their least appealing stuff as far as I'm concerned. Their their second album, you know, right after coming off the tour with Taylor Swift, um, was was kind of polished and a little bit... This one feels like a, a return to form of, of people, you know, ma- yeah, obviously maturing. It feels but, like 
not other people messing. It's a, you know the second one very much sounds like somebody got in and produced them, and yes. I think the, these sisters are all talented enough to do their own. I, I you know I haven't looked at the liner notes, so could completely be speaking out of turn, but. I get the impression when they have more control over their music, the better it is. Yeah, and I think, you know, her being featured on the Vampire Weekend so prominently last year, um, I think there was, you know, I think that has settled in no community. I think they're they're sort of a, a little bit, um, you know, joined and, and probably uh, took something. And, you know, uh, Danielle Heim, I think, took something away from that experience that, that you can hear on this record. And I think... Uh, it's really a band becoming very confident in their own sound rather than trying to sound like anybody else now. And, you know, again, I think when I heard the single, I was a little underwhelmed, but then I realized that the single, it's not an album you pull singles off of necessarily. The songs are good, but it's it's an album that you listen to all the way through, and it's better that way. Agreed. So, anyway, my number four... Which I believe is higher on your charts is is Perfume Geniuses set my heart on fire immediately. Um, yeah, that's that's my number two. We just swapped two and four. Exactly. Yeah, that's so my, I mean, uh, that's actually about... my number one. So oh, nice. okay. well, Let's talk well, about Perfume Genius. <laughs> why don't we Why don't Go we ahead, give that a, Why don't we put that on the shelf and we'll come back to it when we get towards the top of the list. Christian, do you want to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll do our our top threes? Yeah, sounds good. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where today we are doing our top five albums of the first half of 2020. If you don't recognize my voice, that's because I haven't been on episodes recently, but um, I'm really happy to be back with you guys and and talking about uh, some of your favorite music of the first half of the year. Um, So I think we just wrapped our number four picks, and we were heading into uh, the number three. So if you don't mind, I will kick it off and um, announce my number three pick, which is uh, Empty Country's self-titled album, um, which is is the uh, first album by Joseph D'Agostino as a um, standalone uh, artist here, and... um, uh, he is an incredibly talented um, former lead of a band that I like very much, Symbols Eat Guitars, um, and also something of a protege of a friend of ours uh, here on the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, Charles Bissell. 
um, who Wyndham, as you pointed out to me, was uh, was actually um, D'Agostino's uh, former guitar teacher. Um, and actually, this album does feature uh, Charles on backing vocals um, for uh, for one or two of the songs. But um, he is, yeah, I, I think this is just it's it's many of my favorite elements um, of cymbal Z guitars, and and I think you know. Uh, as their name would suggest, and um, as their albums uh, certainly suggest, they are um, real sort of audiophiles, and and I think uh, like the meticulous um, sort of production quality uh, and musicianship that that um, that goes into uh, the crafting of every one of these records is is really sort of exciting. I think for um, but you know more importantly like he just writes great songs. Um, and he, <laughs> like, for, uh, you know, some of my favorite Symbols um, albums, it's just, I think he's got, like, this incredible ear for melody, which he can absolutely bury um, under, uh, you know, under a variety of other sort of textures and layers of, of sound. Um, but, like, at the core of every single one of these things is, you know, is a is a chord progression and a melody that that like I think is is really um, is is something you can just sort of fixate on um, and and you know pulls you through uh, pulls you through these uh, these tunes. So I have you guys given this a, a listen at all this year? Not unlike the Rens in that regard. Um, yeah, I have. I listened. To, I gave it a couple of spins earlier in the year, and I haven't returned to it. Um, but I, it's overdue, and I act think you know, honestly, kind of forgotten about it. But I think it came out during a time of uh, you know of some uh, personal uh, you know sort of disruption. So I, I think I heard it and then had to move out of my house for a while. So it's, let's uh, for. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll have to revisit it. It, it. it it's intriguing what you're saying about it. it sounds really good. Yeah, and I think yeah, you I know, like symbols. I also name check. Just he's he's obviously um, very immersed in uh, sort of some of the upper echelons of you know indie rock um, musicianship at the moment. And and like I think if you go back to um, uh, the Symbols album from 2016, um, which uh, which I love so much. Like you know, you have re- explicit references in song lyrics to like uh, Sandy Alex J, right? Like, and um, mm-hmm. in this case, uh, Kyle Gilbride of Swearin um, was the uh, engineer on this album um, and producer. So, or I guess co-produced it with uh, with D'Agostino. So I think it's like the the sort of the network here. I think is is important and relevant um, because it sort of helps chart uh, and you know some of the the influences that that make this um, that make this such a such a strong record. So um, anyway, I look forward to hearing what you guys think after you give it a couple more spins. Yeah, I like it actually, Christian. I listened to it, and I, I almost feel like he or Symbols is, is almost like the equivalent of kind of like the artist artist. They seem to be a band that I saw. I caught when and I actually caught live on, off their first tour, and um, 
you know, like you said, the melody is always what's hooked me in. And then I tend to, unfortunately, like kind of, you know, I haven't been as dedicated as, as you, obviously. And I, I tend to kind of forget about them, but then I'm always happy to revisit. And I, I do like this record. I, I spun it a bunch when it first came out and, and definitely we'll, we'll hit it again. It's great. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm just happy. Better to name, s- by the way, too. Yes. And I, although I actually kind of like the um, nerd ass, like audiophile symbol Z guitarist comment or uh, band name, but. Um, you know, I, I also, I think it's like Joseph D'Agostino is just somebody I've been rooting for for a long time. Um, and I think part of it is like when you, you know, when you hitch your wagon to somebody like that and you, you really, you just want an artist or a band to succeed. It's like, you know, the fact that they wound it down as symbols and, and moved on, um, was like a bummer. Uh, I'm just really happy to see him out. Um, and obviously in such you know, fighting form. So, um, I think it's great. So, Joe, what's your number three? So, my number three is the release by Caribou, the album Suddenly. And um, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I, I've been sort of hip to Caribou since the first record, that, and um, it's just kind of that perfect blend of so when I'm dancing around my apartment by myself in isolation. Um, I think he kind of nails that that indie sort of um, kind of dance music crossover, whatever you want to call it, but just kind of nails it. I mean, I think you have, like, great house beats with, um, you know, good lyrics laid over and good songs and pop hooks, and um, it's almost like a lot of the sort of highlights of what I like about really good electronic uh, or dance music um, all in one, and I think Caribou um, never really fails. I'm a huge fan of the album Swim, and um, it was a record that I, I still play a lot, and this one kind of was a great follow-up and um, has some, some mellower tracks as well. But, um, yeah, just start There's to finish, no, I, I haven't really stopped listening to this record since it came out. There's no down moments in that guy's catalog. There's Everything has been good. and I, did, I think he still operates more or less as a one, one-man one band. Is that Dan Snaith? Yeah, he does. And initially, I've never seen him live. I'd love to. Um, initially, it was like a little more psychedelic, kind of almost tame Impala-esque, not in early on. And, and then he mm-hmm. kind of shifted more into that sort of straight DJ mode. But... Um, yeah, like I said, I, I, this record's great, and uh, I was excited to have Caribou back in my life and something new. But I, I don't think we Thanks. can get away or get through this segment without without mentioning the fact that you know, as huge fans of mathematics on this podcast, um, you know, it's probably <laughs> worth pointing out that the guy is a PhD for uh, a dissertation called "Overconvergent Siegel Modular Symbols" um, from Imperial College London, which is. Uh, Really fucking impressive <laughs> to me. Um, so if you were ever looking for the uh, like the person in whom you know the the intersection of like math and music um, are are sort of embodied, uh, this is your guy. Um, so I, you know he like he moved over to the UK I think, and and this is partly a a, a platform for for me to just point out that I think um, you know the. the clear influences of his time in London, I guess, um, uh, are, you know, pretty evident, I think, across most of, of, um, his albums. And I, I wonder, I haven't spent as much time with this album, um, as I have with, uh, with some of his past stuff and in, in particular, um, uh, I guess the, the 
milk of human kindness and um which was the domino one from 2005 or 6 and uh and what was the i think andorra is that right and yeah that's the one i listened to most andorra yeah was 07 and then up in flames which i really liked um as as well uh uh, so in any event, like I, you know, I think it, I, I'm curious if that's if like the sort of London influence um, is uh, is heard here as well. Um, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a good. Go this is a, a good place to come for uh, math advice, given that we are doing our our mid year in August. Um, so we're you know, the uh, math has never been a strong suit here. Yeah. So we we tip our cap to anybody who thinks in those in in the the higher reaches of the, of that uh discipline and by the way we we, we we also put scheduling and calendar related items uh under the tent of math <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all things that take effort um my number three is uh swimmer by tennis um, again, this is, uh, I think, very much reflective of, the, of how I've spent my year um, sitting and kind of forcibly being mellow, not seeing a lot of live music. But uh, I've, I've really enjoyed Tennis's previous output, you know, from uh, Cape Dory onward. And this one, I think, is it's a return to form. It is... Um, two people whose debut album was based on their seven-month sailing trip uh, together and the time they fell in love. And this is um, more of the good stuff, more of the same. It's a, Which, actual it's, yacht rock, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is actual yacht rock. It's... Um, you know, and they're not... They're very... They're not very shy about being sort of Burt Bacharach obsessives. I mean, even the, the lead single, which I actually put on the, the top ten playlist a couple weeks ago, uh, Need Your Love, Jeremy was convinced was a cover. And it's because they, they, they are thieves of the best kind. They are people who go back to Serge Gainsbourg and Burt Bacharach and, you know, Rita Coolidge records and everything that I love about 70s AM and sort of distill it, you know, Todd Rundgren all those sort of uh, very warm-sounding analog records uh, from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and, you know, again, synthesize it into something that's uh, fun. It's, you know, it's borderline, it borders on the sort of overly self-aware and kitschy, and I can understand where people might think it's too cute, but if it wasn't such good music, then it would be too cute, but it's not. It's really good stuff. So Swimmer by Tennis is my... Number three. I think that's a great pick. And in, in, in the uh, last week of pre-coronavirus travel, um, so I guess it was like the middle of March. Uh, I was I was on spring break down in <coughs> down in the Keys in Florida, oh, um, and this was like this was just constantly. I I never have XMU, um, but of course, like you know, that's all I listen to. Partly because I'm like I'm curious what. Um, you know what other curators of of uh like indian college rock um are like you know putting on um putting on their playlist at any given time so um as i'm sitting there listening to uh jenny lsq um 
and uh, and you know I, I think the first tennis single was was on there at that point, um, and it's it's really great. It's just like an infectious um, hook, and uh, and you know I think in the same vein that like Beach House and U.S. Girls just have that like sort of cool like sexy um, like you know, propulsive bass. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's really smooth is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, uh, it's got a great vibe to it. So, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this record as well. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, it, it's Elena Moore and, and Patrick Riley who are the married couple. I was, I was thinking this is, uh, you know, this is basically Royal trucks with Chardonnay instead of heroin. Yeah. was my, uh, <laughs> was my, Log line. Anyway, what's your number two, Christian? Yes. Um, so we have uh, Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters here, which I assume is uh, is on your list as well. I th- it released Wyndham, I think it is for you. Um, it, w- it, it, it just fell off at the very end. Oh. It's in a bubble in Orlando on mine. Really? Um, well, uh Okay, I'm I'm surprised to It'll hear that. It'll be in my end of year top five, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, exactly. Um, it do, it did it, it did sort of instantaneously have that feel to it. I'm a huge, unapologetic, lifelong Fiona Apple fan. Um, I think she is just incredibly cool. Um, you know, I I completely fell for her, her music like when I was fourteen or you know thereabouts. Um, and, uh, you know, it really is just a, uh, this I think is probably her weirdest, um, output thus far. Uh, and when I say weird, I mean like, it's a, it, it sounds like music that frankly, if I didn't know it's, better, I would have said was recorded while trapped in, you know, under a shelter in place order over the course of nine months, because there's like a, there's a built up sort of like frustration or, uh, sort of, you know, slightly manic quality to a lot of the songs. Um, but I think when they when they resolve, you know, you you end up with the same like really just beautiful like heart wrenching um, melodies that that have always characterized like the best of of Fiona Apple's music. I think. I have a, a very lengthy, um, and forgive me if I stumble over it because I didn't rehearse this, but it, I did think of this, which is I believe Lana Del Rey is putting out great Fiona rec- Apple records. Uh, yes. Taylor Swift just put out her first great Lana Del Rey record, and <laughs> somehow uh, Fiona Apple is putting out the best Tom Waits record since Rain Dogs. Yeah, I like it. Nice. I think that works. I mean, I, you know, look, I think everything down to the name of the album, right? Like, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. there is, it's there is something, funny. there is, there is something that is more violent and agitated about this than, yeah, there's something unhinged about the record. Yeah. And it's, In it's a good way. It's really great <laughs> for that reason, because if there's one, if there's a gear that I didn't necessarily know she had, um, and, even if I would have expected I would have expected this album to come from her 20 years ago frankly um and it's just interesting that that it's uh that it's coming at this stage in her career a a little unexpected um 
in in terms of like the narrative arc of an artist's career, uh, it kind of has the same feel as like uh, maybe Super Chunks album from a couple years ago, right? Which is like, where mm-hmm. the hell did all this anger come from? Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's also it's a- one of those ones like the Super Chunk album where you then kind of go back and realize, and it sounds like Christian, you, you're a pretty dedicated fan. I've always liked Fiona Apple and. And you know, sort of, but been more casual. But I, this album did force me to kind of go back through her catalog. And you're like, oh yeah, this is all great. When the pun fucking uh, rocks. This one in, in particular, though, to me, yeah, this one in particular, like, grabbed me for the first time, like none of her other albums have, and not because they're not really excellent, but mainly because yeah, this one had like an urgency and kind of an unhingedness to it, where it's like she doesn't care but she in a, in a good way in the best way I, I shouldn't say doesn't care her music's pretty obviously thoughtful but it was like I don't know there was just she wasn't trying to impress anybody she's just this talented and doing her thing and it's great yeah yeah and I, I think she's um you know it still sort of uh depends very heavily on this sort of incredibly sultry um jazzy voice uh, that she just has like incredible control over, and and you know I think at the at the heart of all of these records is like her sort of vocal ability, right? Um, and mm-hmm. like if it isn't for that, like it, it makes the songs. It it just completely it is such a such a cool instrument, um, and uh, and you know it like that by can go on and on and on for uh, I mean about just how great I think she sounds but I think like you add that to sort of the the stylistic elements that are different about this album and I I, you know I hope that that it sounds like this is really pulling in uh, uh, maybe a new audience for her as well not that she really needs it (laughs) what's your number two so my number two was Perfume Genius Um, I can throw out my number one or we can... Yeah, let's talk Perfume well, Genius now. your number two win. Well, my number two is Heim, which we've already covered. So let's let's hit Perfume Genius okay. as a group, because it's my four, Got your it. two, and Christian's one. Yeah, I mean, it's just an album that... I, I mean, I think when it came out, it got a lot of hype. Um, when your friend Wesley Morris, New York Times, um, Entertainment at Large, um, editor, wrote a, a great piece on it. And I listened to it, and I really liked it, but I didn't kind of get into it, I would say, until the last, maybe, say, month or so. And um, I think it sort of started with the song on the floor and just the sort of raw passion that is kind of conveyed in this album. And then I've been, like, nonstop listening to it start to finish. I I just think it's... I'm going to guess sort of like a, you know, breakup album or longing album for somebody, and it's... Like, he just captures a sound and a feeling um, while also providing, like, really great music. Um, I love, like, the bass riffs on this album. I, I like the kind of slow burn, but not so slow. You know, it's not, it's not a, I wouldn't call it even, like, a, a you know, sleepy album or slow album by any means. It's just kind of got an atmosphere to it that that's great. And, and yeah, so it's an album that just has steadily moved up the... Uh, rotation for me um all the way to, to number two there and um and one that i yeah foresee definitely being high on my list at the end of the year yeah it's sort of like a torch album with with a groove right 
I would say. Christian, it's your number one, so why don't you uh, take is. us through? So, I, I first of all, I just love to death the fact that, like, this guy has um, a certain, like, a, a peculiar, like, way of phrasing things that I find, like, just so innately, like, attractive. Um, I love that this album starts with the line, Half My Whole Life Is Gone. Um it, which is just like, it's just kind of a, like if you expected him to come out with a more cheerful record this time around, like it's not going to happen. Like I, I don't know that that exists um, for for Mike Hadrias. Um, you know, I think he's he's obviously a lot of the story of Perfume Genius has really been um, a, a story about his sort of reckoning with like some of his own. Um, childhood and adolescent demons I think and sort of wrestling with you know his own treatment and place in the world and like identity um I think he's uh done a really tremendous job of of sort of communicating um the some of the most universal elements of like those anxieties uh to his audience um and at times has also done it with just like a really awesome kind of bitchy flair that I that I find like both you know super satisfying and um, kind of funny uh, and self aware and it's like it's just it's been really exciting over the last eight or nine years to see his career evolve and to see him like grow as an artist um, and not you know. Um, not a multi-instrumentalist, right? Like somebody who's, who's clearly, who's writing the songs, who is um, figuring out new ways to use a voice that isn't like classically uh, brilliant in the way that maybe Fiona Apples is or something like that, um, you know, but it's somebody who's just like, who just sort of has the music in him. Um, and like it's, he's he's finding just incredibly cool ways to arrange and, and um uh, and just you know, and build these like really powerful tunes. I I'm I'm a huge fan of this. I think it's um, maybe I, I'll see how I feel at the end of the year, but it might be his best album yet. Um, and I think yeah. uh, it's it's definitely reflects I think uh, a sort of his growth and maturity as an artist um, in a way that is great to see, and also sort of says like this guy's ready for the big time you know um i like i don't see, I, I think his next album is like universally popular um and everybody's gonna say where did this guy come from um and we'll be like well it was obviously our constant repping of him on the brother 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 podcast and then we'll you know claim royalties but um <laughs> yeah no it's like I mean, we're it, well we're <laughs> yes we're willing to share the profit yeah, no, that's right. Um, but no, I, I just I think he's like he's 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 just I thought it might happen with this album when I when it first came out, uh, and I listened to it and I was like, wow, there are like three four songs on here that I think are like radio playable hits, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I just I feel like with the attention that he got in the places that he got it, uh, his next album if it's really good and. I'm not that worried about a slump from this guy because I think each each thing he's put out has been better than the last. Um, I, I you know I think this is uh, yeah I, I think he's big time. I think there's I think this is one of those artists that we sort of mentioned from the top that 
um, has suffered from not being able to play live this summer. I think there's a handful, I mean, not a handful, there's a ton of artists, but people that were about to make a leap from, you know, whatever venue size they were in to the next venue size up. Um, And I think he was definitely one of them. Um, And, you know, he's got a crack band uh, playing with them. I saw a clip of uh, the live performance from one of the late night talk shows the other night. And, um, you know, there was a whole... Somebody, tell somebody a, a hired, very, a, like, a real team for this guy. Well, no, is it, but there's also, like, a, there was going to be... This would have been a great stage show. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't have just been yeah. a band playing. And so there was, you know, there was coordination. Uh, and, and I just think this person was about to make the leap um, from one venue size to the next. I think this... He's got a great um, sense of, you know, like theatricality and like you know i think it uses his body in a way that's very um like captivating when he's on stage mm-hmm. agree i also you know like we said when this album first came out and I, I think we were doing it on a what are you listening to i, I you know i i would say queen has my yeah. vote for maybe the best song of the of the Teen of the 2000 teens. Yeah. So, um, Same here. I love that thing. Yeah. It's like, it's so it's good. It's perfect. And it's so off kilter. And yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a brilliant piece. And uh, anyway. He's got a lot of Bowie in the sense, too, where he takes like a song like Queen, which is, you know, and, and then kind of he, he morphs uh, with each album as well a little bit and, and you know, kind of matures or, or changes his style a bit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's excellent. So, Jared, what's your number one? So, I think you and I have the same number one. It's, uh, or, yeah, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. Um, just, you know, I think kind of a perfect record and a record that I've, I've listened to since it came out. Um, big fans of all of her, her previous records as well, or, you know, I'm certainly a big fan. And, and, uh, I had heard her a while back on the Ringer pod, um, The Watch, with uh, Greenwald and and Chris Ryan, and this was post um, her last record, and she was sort of saying that her next record she wanted to be a little more rootsy or a little more folksy, um, and I think this record definitely goes there, but in a way that doesn't sound, um, you know, like somebody trying to, to, you know, put a a kind of country or Americana record out. It it sounds very natural and... uh, you know, well, I think it's it's it's. She's from good. she's from Alabama, and I believe. No, I know, but I know, she's but, also. But I believe been from this, I believe, uh, you know, to make this album, I believe she moved home to Alabama, relocated from um, was it Philly? Philly, yeah. And I think yeah. there's you know there's an intentionality there. There's certainly echoes of it um, in the music, and it is. You know, it's it's right in the sweet spot where I believe you know, like I said, I've heard interviews with her before, as well. It's in the right in the sweet spot of of the people that she uh, idolizes, but it has it's not remotely derivative, and her writing is so good that you don't you know it calls to mind people like Lucinda, but it doesn't. You yeah, I was gonna say like it's she's a very doing car. Right, it's a you know Car Wheels album without the sort of you know build up or the ten year hiatus that Lucinda had or, or trying to do it. That's what I mean. It just sounds very original and, and fits really well. Um, and I know uh, I think her sort of longtime boyfriend now, Kevin Morby, 
they've done some solo shows together on on you know webcasts and things like that and, and these songs sound great it's another person that uh, you know another group that i really would have liked to have seen live and seen this album live um but yeah she's kind of you know i think i want to say is this four now or at least three really great albums in a row um they're all kind of uh excellent and they all are albums you can listen to start to finish and St. Cloud in particular, I think, just brings the music up a notch. So there's just more going on. Um, you know, the last few Waxahachie albums are, are definitely more in that indie rock vein where, where it's very much guitar-based drums with some flourishes of, you know, experimentation here and there. And, and this one is, is definitely a more um, full, full orchestrated kind of album. But again, that doesn't overdo it. It, it still has a very... Um, you know, purposeful, purposeful sound to it. And, and, and yeah, like songs like Witches, um, I just think are fantastic and some of the, the best stuff that's come out um, this year for sure. Yeah, I, I, so I don't know, Christian, have you given this one a spin or sorry, when I didn't mean to cut you off there. I have. Um, no, I, I like it. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think you're right that it's sort of the most um, interesting of Waxahachie's albums to date. I think this is five, um, but all since like 2011 or 2012, somewhere thereabouts. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do think it's like sort of the most sophisticated if, you know, th- so I, I'm having trouble here because I don't love it um, as much as you guys do. And my... Frankly, my reaction every time I hear it is, uh, wow, NPR is going to fucking love this record. Um, and I think they do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I can't quite, like, it, it doesn't have, I don't know whether it's, like, my own sort of querile, like, taste and the fact that it just, like, doesn't have the hooks that I want or, um, because, you know, it, it's also, it's got a lot in common with, like, a good Jason Isbell album. Um, it's, you know, it's of this, it's cut from the same cloth, I guess. Um, and, and, uh, in in the sense that the, the lyrics are really like incredibly well-written. Um, but there were a few, honestly, there were like the weird comp for me was that I listened to this and there were a few too many times where I was like, Jesus, this sounds so much like an Alanis Morissette song. Um, which is a really weird, uh, uh, like yeah com- comparison to make but but definitely like kept coming out in her voice to me um which i found very distracting uh the couple of times that i listened to it but you know i like so what um this is a universally revered record almost immediately so um and uh and i think it's yeah um i the fact that you guys both picked it uh should should tell me that i should spend spend some more time with it well, yeah, when you when you come to your senses, um, we'll, we'll be here on the other end of the line. Yeah, um, you'll, you'll be there to time me. <laughs> yeah. No, but I do think it, the funny thing is that you, you did uh, bring up Jason Isbell, fellow Alabaman, and um, I, I was going to say it, she has very much the same um, uh, sort of sensibility that Isbell has, and I heard a... A lengthy discussion, I wouldn't call it an interview, uh, between Jason Isbell and, and the author George Saunders uh, a year or two ago, um, both of whom I admire greatly. Oh, that G- um, was that the GQ, like, where Saunders yeah. and Isbell interviewed yeah. each other? <laughs> that was so good. Still really good. Yeah, it was really good. But what Jason Isbell said, which I found, you know, 
um, very elucidative and, and also, um, you know, it explains it, it, it is his, uh, basically the centerpiece of, of his aesthetic, which is that he likes to sing about ordinary things. I mean, there aren't that many new emotions in the world. So he likes to sing about, you know, relatively, um, universal things to happen and he likes to take them very close to cliche and then, you know, hit a right turn when you least expect it or a left turn when you least expect it. And I find that she does the same thing. There are things that sound familiar, but they're phrased differently or there's new takes on, on what would ordinarily, you know, which are new, new takes and new turns of phrase attributed to things that are very, uh, commonly written about. So, you know, we're not, we're not taking people off, uh, the, the grid of, of budding romance, relationships and breakups, but we are trying to, um, you know, sort of put a new spin on them semantically, which I always like that idea. And it's almost like you're, yeah, I think, and not, not punishing in a bad way, but just, it's almost like you're punishing the listener or the reader for, uh, completing the thought without your permission. Like if you, if you leap ahead to the conclusion, you will be, you know, you'll, you'll embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's like it's such a it's such a mark of a good of a really good writer. Story. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think that's the thing that really carries this one because I, I totally hear what you're saying, Christian. And I know that I always even and I'm a big you know sort of country or Americana fan, but I kind of cringe sometimes when when artists go there and it can be very like Car Wheels, for instance, which I mentioned Lucinda's album which can sound really kind of bland and NPR-ish for sure, but when you get a, that next layer of the lyrics, I think that's what really carries it in the, in the kind of turn of phrase. And I think she really hit her stride with Out in the Storm, the last album, um, and this one just kind of carries over on that. And it's the more and more I listen to it, the less I'm sort of um, distracted by the, I guess, sort of like, you know, I guess change up of, of um, music, which isn't that far off, but it, it's, you know, slightly off from what she's been doing. And just really love the songs. They're just great songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll end this the way we end every episode. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are going to, uh, now that we've informed you of the best albums of the year so far, we are going to end this one the way we end every episode, and that is 
Christian taking it to Jeremy for what are you listening to? Yeah, what are you listening to? Um, what am I listening to? I, uh, I've started to watch... Right now my dog is being distracting because he won't stop licking his gross-looking D. Um, anyways, sorry, back to what am I listening to. Um, I started watching the Laurel Canyon doc, which I kind of dig. It's, it's interesting, much more interesting than I thought, considering I really don't like a lot of that music, um, aside from the birds and, and some of the other groups. But, you know, even the Crosby, Stills, and Nash stuff is, like, more interesting than I thought it would be. Um, I'm kind of, like, enjoying the NBA being back, so that's another uh, thing. I, even though it looks a little weird, it's a video game. I think they've done a pretty decent job, and, and uh, watching the Celtics Trailblazers game the other day was kind of fun. It felt good. Um, and then just, yeah, it's way too much TV. I mean, I could go into, like, a million shows that I'm kind of half into. Um, and then record-wise and music-wise, um, I was telling Wynn, I, speaking of Jason Isabel, we name-checked a few times on this pod, I just... Um, got the vinyl of Southeastern, which was kind of the album that really turned me on to him um, as a solo artist, and I just really love that record. So it's been fun to kind of play start to finish and, and listen to that again. I think it's a great record, and uh, that is what I've been listening to. Um, I'm going to throw Jump Ball, Win Christian. Who's got it? I'll take it. Uh, I, too, have been in, enjoying the return of sports uh, and kind of figuring out um, what... Uh, how to watch it but you know i'm very thirsty and i've been in the desert for several months so water is water um i wanted to give a shout out to a particular song that i've been enjoying which is uh, cheap regrets by the districts uh it's one of my favorite songs of the year so far uh the album didn't quite um push into my top five but this is a band that's i think they're on their fourth or fifth record they're from Amish country, Pennsylvania Dutch country in uh, Pennsylvania, and they are putting out um, some good, like '80s style synth-driven guitar rock. Um, somewhere, I guess their modern uh, comps would be um, Future Islandsy kind of stuff, but uh, it very much sounds like um, you know very serious British. Uh, synth kind of uh, Heaven 17 early Human League pre uh, Don't You Want Me kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's good stuff. And then I also wanted to plug a TV show that I discovered uh, in one of those uh, multitude of, of articles that said, uh, you know, that are billed as uh, five TV shows you should be watching that you've never heard of. And sure enough, I actually fell for it, and this was a show I'd never heard of. It's called Spotless. It's a 2015, I believe, joint British-French production about two French brothers in London who run a crime scene uh, cleaning company who get mixed up with uh, the mob. And it's uh, if any of you are familiar with Downton Abbey, uh, Mr. Bates plays a very menacing crime boss in this. It's pretty. It's a pretty fun show, and I truly had never heard of it. So um, that is what I've been listening to. Christian. Well, uh, so with your um, reference to Pennsylvania Dutch Amish country, um, I will first throw out uh, a great 
documentary from like 2003 probably called The Devil's Playground um, which was all about yeah, the uh, which was all about the Amish kids who bail on the tribe in order to cook meth and move to New York City um, it's a it's a really good documentary uh, but not one I'd thought about in a long time um, so what's that what's that um, what's the um, it's like tradition the where week they that they get what's, yeah. what's the what where they can take the tradition where they you know they can R- sow their wild oats before they rumsprinka rumsprinka that's it that's yep. such a great um, word it is a great word um, <laughs> and uh, yeah no it's a it's a really awesome it, it's a really awesome documentary actually it was is my recollection I don't think I've seen it since I was a probably a sophomore junior in high school but um, assuming my my taste holds up uh and i think it does in this case anyway um so i remember that being like one really good doc and the other one being spellbound i love that um which is together yeah which is oh yeah that's right um so the other thing i wanted to talk about really vent about i think is the fact that i watched um I, so in the last like month, I've watched seasons one and two of Homeland. Uh, season one of Homeland, like a very serviceable B plus spy show um, that was not overacted and appeared to be written in English by native speakers um, of that language, and uh, also was you know like relatively consistent as far as like plot points. <laughs> And then season two just goes off a fucking cliff. Like, I have no clue. It was as if there was a consensus forged ahead of the season that in every single episode, all of the bad guys need to become good guys, and all of the good guys need to become bad guys. Um, and, and that's, like, the only consistent thread. Uh, it made me so fucking mad. Um, I, I think I would have turned That's not true, it actually. There's a, there's a consistent thread where she jumps out the backseat of a car in every episode, and they yell, Carrie! <laughs> like, it, it is... Um, yeah, no, how many times is she just going to, like, get dragged through some fucking explosion um, and just appear on the, you know, the doorstep of the weirdly, increasingly religious character, Saul? Um, it Just the whole fucking thing was such a disaster. Um, and I'm not sure if it gets better. I hope it does. I, I vaguely remember uh, hearing from the, the guys on uh, over on The Watch and formerly, I think, actually Channel 33 a few years ago, that this was, like, one of those shows that somewhere in the course of the first five seasons, it, like, falls to shit and then sort of course corrects. And, like, they were, I think, applauding the fact that it, like, kind of came around and turned itself back into a relatively decent show. Because, of course, when you get through, you know... (laughs) I don't want to give too much away here, but like, basically, it's all right. You're 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 talking about a show that everybody like else watched. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Um, well, but okay. that's another thing. So when the when the big bad terrorists blow up the fucking CIA in the second season, right? Like the the issue here is that you've then basically exhausted. Like, it, so this this has like the classic signs of a show that had one really good season in it. And then got renewed, and everybody was like, oh, shit. All right. 
Um, no, that's great. We all have work next year. We're delighted. Yeah, we should, we should, we should <laughs> have a shorthand for that. We'll just call it Interpol. Yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it just, awesome, but also, you know, it just sort of was, yeah, it was, uh, I'm sure, great for everyone's careers and terrible. Um, so, anyway, I, I really, that... That's been kind of grinding my gear. I just wanted somebody to talk a little I'll, bit about. I'll save you the uh, <laughs> agony and say it doesn't get better, despite what. Um, and yet you kept watching. The <laughs> <ringer> say. <laughs> I actually didn't. I got angry and, and left, but I yeah, it was too. in the background in my former uh, situation, and and uh, there was a dedicated person that I have seen pieces, and it just sucked. Ugh. Yeah. So, sorry, Carrie. So. Um, with that, uh, well, I guess that's not going on the on the top uh, four thousand songs of all time. The theme from Homeland. So, um, <laughs> what song will you be putting on, oh, Christian? You, I am going to. Sorry, do you mean Miles Davis's? Um, by the way, talk about just one last thing that drove me nuts about this was like the half formed <laughs> idea that um, I really hate this show, but the half formed idea that we were going to use jazz music as like a fucking metaphor for her mental illness which by the way we completely abandoned after two episodes um what's also a superpower never any mention of it again they take her off her meds when they really want to figure something out (laughs) oh yeah it just uh it's so bad um okay it's like go go tie string around pins on your chalk on your cork board carrie and we will solve terrorism yeah, no, take this set of green crayons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> try not to hurt yourself. Um, Thelonious monk and... It also, there's like yeah. a really stark difference between uh, the way you were like viably able to um, present mental illness as a theme in a television show even seven years ago. <laughs> yes. It's like so careless. It's weird. Mm. I think Ozark brought it back, by the way, but we can uh, save that for another day. Uh, no, that's inbreeding, Jeremy. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I, yes, I I uh, agree. Though I think like it, it was just kind of jarring to see, like, given how I think cautious people are in, in terms of like trying to get the execution right on those things. Um, this was just like, yeah, she's like, you know, disabled or <laughs> like, and and the precise nature of the disability would kind of change a little bit each time um and it was just generally overacted um anyway okay so songs for the if you throw a song on the list we'll let you we'll let you bitch about parker lewis can't lose next time (laughs) um (laughs) so i'm going to in the interest of empty country and charles bissell um, I gotta throw on This Boy is Exhausted, which, curiously, uh, is not on our playlist yet. Shockingly. Shockingly. Yes. Chair, what is your nominee? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, one that we talked about today, and I'm gonna go with the Perfume Genius song, Without You. Great. And I am going to go in the Wayback Machine. I watched a... Tom Waits doc the other day, which way back to 2012. With yeah, uh, Homeland season two. <laughs> For, um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put on Jockey Full of Bourbon from Rain Dogs. Oh, nice, cool, great. All right, all right, guys, it's been real. Right. Thank you. Talk Thanks. soon. All right, later. Enjoy 2020.
I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.